billions lived their lives. Now Muhammad, Krishna, or the Buddha are the way. Still some believe it's right to say, in the name of Jesus, when you pray. We are a humankind of seven billion, so many different races and religions. And it all comes down to one. Which one does it come down to? These are lyrics from a song, you may have heard it, called One by India Ari. And she's right in that last little part of the song, that last little stanza of the chorus. It does all come down to one. But which one? How do you know? Is the Christian God just one of many other gods? Or the only God? Well, this, Lord willing, is what we will look at this afternoon together in our time. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, we're so glad that you are with us, uh, joining us to worship the Lord Jesus. Uh, you're joining us at the right time, you're joining us in the second sermon of a new series that we just started last week on our statement of faith, what we believe, and it's called What We Believe Together. What We Believe Together. And so what we're going to do is we're going to dig into what we believe together. If anyone needs a Bible, if you need a Bible, just let us know, and we will get one to you. If you need one, just let us know. If not, let me, let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you once again for this time. Uh, thank you for how you've already been working in our time, Lord, through uh, yeah, singing the Bible, reading the Bible, praying the Bible, and now as we uh, seek to hear your word preached. God, I pray that you would um, yeah, magnify Christ in this time, Lord. Uh, I pray that I would decrease and that he would increase, Lord, and that we would all hear from him. We would all see him rightly and beautiful this afternoon. And as we think about you, O oh God, being one God, I pray, Lord, that you would, yeah, Lord, continue to teach us of this wondrous doctrine of you, and that you would continue to shape us, that you would continue to mold us, that you would continue to make us more like you as a result. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 You'll see it on the screen. Uh, we are looking at the second article in our statement of faith. And so this afternoon, we're going to be looking at of the true God. All right. And so I'm going to be reading the second article right on the screen. Here it is. Here it goes. It says, <clears throat> we believe that there is one and only one living and true God, an infinite, intelligent spirit whose name is Jehovah the maker and supreme ruler of heaven and earth, inexpressibly glorious in holiness, <clears throat> excuse me, and worthy of all possible honor, confidence, and love, that in the unity of the Godhead there are three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, equal in every divine perfection and executing distinct but harmonious offices in the great work of redemption. 
So this is Article 2 of our Statement of Faith. There's a lot here, right? So we'll be camping out on this article for the next few weeks. And to add, this is weighty, right? God is so vast. He's so big. And there's so much to say about who he is and what he's done, right? I mean, just think about what God is creator, right? God is holy. God is perfect. God is unchanging. God is righteous. God is faithful. God is love. God is our Savior. So much ground to cover when we think about who God is and what he's done. So I won't be able to say everything or cover everything here in this sermon, but I will try and hope to cover the main parts here. And then also, as I mentioned, spread this out over the next few weeks as we talk about the doctrine of God. So if you're taking notes, just have one main idea, which, which will serve as the main point, right? There is one God. There is one God. Last week, as we started our sermon series here in our Statement of Faith, we looked at the first article, which was the scriptures, right? We looked at the scriptures. So last week, we established that the scriptures, the Bible, is God's true word, that it is his word because it came from him, right? Each word on the pages of scripture from Old Testament to the New Testament are inspired by him. And it's through his word that he has revealed himself, that he has shown himself, right? And it's based on that. It's in the scriptures where the conversation about God has to begin. It's here in this book where the conversation about God has to begin and must continue. Right. So let's look at what the Bible teaches about there being one God. All right. Turn with me to Genesis one one. We're going to be kind of bouncing around. So I'm going to be asking you to turn places or just mention some places. You can feel free to jot those verses down and check them out in your own time. But we're going to be kind of bouncing around. Uh, in this time once again, right? So Genesis 1-1, the first book of the Bible, <clears throat> it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's right there. The Bible starts out with a mic drop. That in the beginning, so that in the beginning means in the beginning, before anything was, God was. And that because he was in the beginning, before anything and everything, that anything and everything came from him. Right? We even see that, if you look at the verse, we even see that progression of this truth right in the verse, right? Look at it again, it says, in the beginning. So first, in the beginning, right? Then, God created the heavens and earth. You see, the progression of that is that in the beginning, there was nothing. <laughs> it was nothing. But God created something out of nothing by the power of his word, right? So we see that progression here, right? 
Then the rest of chapter one on through chapter two of Genesis shares in more detail and creativity as to how God created the whole world, the animals and the people in his image, in the image of God, which everyone since then would then populate from. Right. So this is what David even writes about in Psalm 19:1. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So this idea about, man, that the heavens, the heavens preach, <laughs> the heavens proclaim the glory of God and that the sky above also preaches and proclaims his handiwork, his creativity, him being the creator. David also puts it this way in Psalm 8, starting at verse 1, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Verse 3, it says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. We see here that creation itself, all the creation, screams out the glory of God. And it screams out, it proclaims that there is one creator, that he is the creator of everyone and everything. Now, the Big Bang Theory says otherwise. For those of you who may have never heard of the Big Bang Theory, this is what the Big Bang Theory is in a nutshell, straight off of nasa.gov. Here's the definition. It says, the Big Bang is how astronomers explain the way the universe began, right? It is the idea that the universe began at just a single point, then expanded and stretched to grow as large as it is right now, and it is still stretching. This is what the Big Bang Theory suggests, how the world came into existence. But as you may have read Genesis 1 through 2, when you think about all of the complexities and the creativity by which the world and humans were made, the Big Bang just doesn't do justice in explaining it because it's not true. What we learn from the Bible is that the world and people were not created by a Big Bang, but a big God. Friend, if you're here and you're not a Christian, we're so glad that you're with us. This is where your story begins. This is where all our story begin and finds its true meaning. We want you to know 
that you were not created haphazardly or by accident or without intentionality. You were created with purpose. And that purpose for you and for me was to know and to worship God. This is why you were created. This is why I was created. And this God says of himself that he is the only God and that there is no other. I mean, this again is how the Bible even starts out letting us know of God's existence, right? But he also tells us in the giving of his law, the Ten Commandments, right? That he gave to the children of Israel and to Christians today. He says in verse 3, Exodus 20 says, you shall have no other gods before me. Verse 4, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Exodus 20, verses 3 through 6. These are the first two of the Ten Commandments. Again, number one, you shall have no other gods before me. There should be no other gods before me. Two, you shouldn't create anything or worship anything as if it is God. Why? Because he alone is God. And he alone should be worshipped. That's the point. Brother Rick read this passage just before the sermon as God gives this commandment to the children of Israel And to all who come to him, a summarization of it. He says here in verse 4 of Deuteronomy 6, says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God. This is the NLT version. It says, the Lord alone. He's the Lord alone. Verse 5, it says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Jesus, piggybacking off of this in Mark 12, when one of the religious leaders asked him a question about which commandment, which commandment is the greatest of them all? What's the most important of them all? Jesus answers, he says in Mark 12, verse 29, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He asked to a Verse 31, he says, and the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So we see this idea again that the Lord is one. The Lord our God is one. He alone is God. He alone is one, the one. David again here in Psalm 8610, he says, for you are great and you do wondrous things. You alone are God. 
Love how Paul puts it here in 1 Corinthians 8, 6. He says, yet for us, there is one God, the Father from whom all things, from whom are all things, excuse me, and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom, all, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. So over and over again. Throughout the Bible, just so far we see that the Bible claims, confirms, and conveys that there is one God. There is one God. It's kind of like uh, the GOAT debate in basketball, right? Uh, Jordan fans are like, there can only be one GOAT. And when it comes to God, there's only one. There's only one. Only one. Muslims and, and those who practice Judaism would even agree with this. They would affirm that there is one God. That God is eternal and has no end. That God is transcendent. That he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere at all times. And obviously, we're talking about different gods. But they would even affirm that there is one God, etc., etc. But where Christians differ with Muslims, those who practice Judaism, is that we also believe that God is triune. That God is trinity. That there are three persons in one God. That the Father is God, that the Son is God, and that the Holy Spirit is God. We're going to spend a whole sermon on the Trinity in the coming weeks. So I won't go too in-depth here, but I will show you one passage among many where the Bible teaches this beautiful doctrine of the Trinity. When the Lord Jesus was baptized in Matthew chapter 3, we see all persons of the triune God present. You can turn to Matthew chapter 3. Starting at verse 16. It says, this is Lord Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. It says, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So we see this clearly here, right? That Jesus is being baptized, he's coming from out of the water. The Spirit descends on him like a dove, right? So there's the Holy Spirit, and that the Father affirms him from heaven. He speaks a word of affirmation that this is my son. This is my chosen son. This is Jesus. So we see that here, right? That the Trinity is, is clear here, right? We'll dig into this a bit more when we come to the Trinity here in a couple of weeks. But we also differ, so we not only differ with the triuneness of God or, or the Trinity, right? But we also differ in our beliefs about Jesus, which is crucial. The, tri the Trinity is crucial. 
Christians believe that Jesus is God. We believe that Jesus is God. All other religions, including Islam and those who practice Judaism, would deny the deity of Christ, would deny that Jesus is God. So we believe that the son who is affirmed in this passage that I just read in Matthew 3, we believe that this person, the son, Jesus, is the one that's affirmed all throughout the Bible to be God. He's affirmed there, and he's affirmed all throughout the Bible that he is God. We're going to spend a whole sermon on that as well, thinking about the deity of Christ and the intricacies surrounding who Jesus is and what he has done. But one passage that I want to point us to from Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Gets after this. It says, chapter 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He... Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is a beautiful passage in thinking about the son, the Lord Jesus. God speaks through his son. At one time he spoke through the prophets, but he is primarily in these last days Speaking through his son. He gave him rank over all things. He has rank over all things. And that even the world and people were created through Jesus. And that he is the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact imprint of God's nature. You looking for God? Look to Jesus. That's what this text is saying. And that he, Jesus, upholds the world by the word of his power. Jesus. This is God talk, referring to the son. This is God talk because Jesus is God. Second person of the Trinity, who is God. And it is this son, the Lord Jesus, him being God, who was sent to be our Savior and Lord. So spoiler alert, right? This is what we're celebrating next weekend and throughout all our years, right? That this son who was promised from the Old Testament has come. He is the promised seed that God promises to come and to, yeah, to do away with Satan. He's going to get a bruise, but he's going to crush the head of the serpent, right? This is the promised son. And working throughout the lineage of time, this son comes. He comes. Why does he come? He comes to help us because we were in need of help. Because if you agree with the Bible, the Bible calls you and me sinners. So we want to agree with what the Bible says of us is that, yeah, we were created in the image of God, but we are fallen. 
We've sinned against God and we deserve his wrath because of our sin. Our sin separates us from him. And what Jesus came to do was to bridge that gap, to provide what we couldn't provide for ourselves, peace with God. And so that's what the Lord Jesus comes to do. And he fulfills that by living a perfect, sinless life in your place and in my place. And he dies a death that you and I deserve. He's knelt to the cross. He dies that death that you and I deserve. He's buried in the grave. But on the third day, he is raised from the dead with all glory and power and dominion, offering help, offering life, offering salvation to all who would buck a U-turn, who would, who would turn from their sin and turn to Christ, putting all of your eggs in his basket and in what he has done alone to save you. The Bible says, if you do that, once you do that, you can be forgiven. You can be cleansed of all of your sin, past, present, and future. You can be made right with God. And this is what we want to hold out to you this afternoon. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to get to know him. He loves you. He came in love to die for you. Accept him. Believe upon him. Rely upon him. If you would like to learn more about that, it would be my joy, be, be Sister Natasha's joy, any of the leaders here, their joy to, to talk with you about what it would mean, what it would look like for you to start your journey with Christ. And as we come to a close, just to remind us of where we begin. It says, billions live their lives. Now Muhammad, Krishna, or the Buddha are the way. Still some believe it's right to say, in the name of Jesus when you pray. We are a humankind of seven billion, so many different races and religions, and it all comes down to one. Yes, it does. There's one true God. And Jesus, who is God, is the only way. The only way. So, for non-Christians and for Christians alike, may we continue to look to him. Maybe for the first time, for all of us who are Christians, continue to look to him because he is the only way. Is no other way. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time as we have just, yeah, just perused through your word some just in regards to thinking about you being the only God, you being the only one, the only way. And God, I pray, yeah, Lord, for those who may not know you, God, that they would come to know you for the first time today that you would break in their hearts, Lord, and that they would receive you, that they would trust you, that you would show yourself to them from your word, that you are the only God, and that you love them, and that you sent your son to die for them. 
and that they can receive him. And as receiving him, if they do receive him, they receive life. For those of us who have come to know you because you made yourself known to us, God, I pray that, that we would continue to, yeah, Lord, grow in and cherish this beautiful truth about you being one God. And that this one God made himself known to us. May we never, yeah, may that never become old to us. The God of the universe, the only God, has made himself known to us. And he calls us to know him and to make him known. Help us to do that, Lord, especially this week, Lord, in thinking about holding me, in thinking about Christ and him coming over 2,000 years ago to die on the cross, to be raised from the dead on the third day. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.